to Around the Homestead podcast, where we share information on topics from gardens to goats. Our aim is to provide small farmers and landowners valuable education on projects that may arise around the homestead. Whether you have been on the homestead all your life or you have just began the farm lifestyle, we hope you garner helpful tips to make your rural lifestyle most rewarding. Now here are our hosts, Brad McGinley and Sean Rhodes. All right. Hello and welcome to the Around the Homestead podcast. I'm your co-host, Brad McGinley, County Extension Agent in Grant County. Uh, I've got my fellow co-host, Sean Rhodes. He's over in Scott County. How's the weather looking over there in Scott County today, Sean? Oh, it's pretty today. Uh, it's actually sunny and pretty and probably going to be 60. So uh, things are looking good. That means they're probably going to get bad. I don't know. They- <laughs> Calling for a little snow by Saturday evening, so that's how it goes here this time yeah, of year. Yeah, you see that term? That's how we Arkansas. You know, uh, that's yeah. uh, that's that's what happens in Arkansas. But uh, you know, speaking of sunny weather, when we get those sunny, warm days, those weeds start to pop up, and that's what we have planned to talk about today. And today we've got a very special guest with us. We've got Mr. Blair Griffin, who is the county extension agent in Johnson County, with us today, and. Blair is the weed control extraordinaire for the state of Arkansas. If you need to know how to control a weed, Blair is your man. There's only one problem with that is Blair is getting close to retirement. So we wanted to have him on our show before he gets out of here and gets into retirement. Good to have you, Blair. Oh, thanks for having me on, Brad. Uh, How are you and Sean doing? Oh, we're making it. We're making it. We're we're getting by and, uh, you know, Blair, it's getting that time of year where uh, really uh, one of the first things we need to talk about in, in, in weed control is the importance of timing on controlling weeds. And even though, you know, it's the midst of winter time, uh, we still can can make some work on controlling weeds right now. Yes, and, and timing is everything. You know, I get... You, and you guys experience this too. I always say the, the number one thing I get calls on is fire ants and probably number two is spur weed. But the problem is most of our spur weed calls, calls come, you know, we get them in May when the spurs are there. And that's why, I mean, that's when people start talking, they want to know how to control them. And, you know, as, as, as you deal with it and like I said, I'm close to retirement. So I say this, I just get to where I tell people in May, I say, look, just call me next February. I'm not (laughs) going to waste my time or yours to tell you how to control spur weed in May when you really need to do it in January or February. Just call me next year and we'll come up with a game plan. And when you're dealing with spur weed, once it comes up, early is always better than later. Uh, One reason is the smaller the weeds are, the easier they are to control. And, and, you know, when you're doing lawn weed control, do the irregular pattern of yards and shrubs and shade and, you know, where the kids play and the dogs run, you, you really need more than one application or one, one time out there to get it under control. And so you spray early, you'll see what you missed and you still have plenty of time to get back in there and spray again. Yeah. Time is, is really critical. And right now, I know Blair, you and I, you know, we recently just sprayed a, a, a spur weed demonstration 
if you look, if you've had spur weed in the past, you think it might, it's not there during the winter time. If you know what to look for and know how to look for it, it's there. Yes. And you know, we, you know, like you said, we sprayed, I think it was back in December and you, sometimes you have to get on your hands and knees and start looking and, and, you know, we all get the calls from the people that say, well, I sprayed last year and now you're telling me I've got spur weed again. And, and, you know, I tell people, you know, I mean, I, I've got a background in weed science. I've lived in the same house for 14 years. I spray my yard every year for spur weed, but yet, and I fertilize and yet I still have spur weed. And, you know, it, it's not something that goes away real easily. If you've got any bare spots in your yard, it's going to show up. Once it shows up one year, if you don't control it, you're back to probably having a severe problem the next year. So it's, it's not a one-time deal or a one-year deal. It's a long-term project. You know, one thing I'll mention, too, is, you know, most people, when they call me, it's sticker weed. Right. So, so what we're talking about is anytime in the spring and summer, if you walk out there barefooted or lay down and you get all these stickers and these things sticking you, it's spur weed is what, what you have. And right. Yeah. We're not talking about sandbars. Sandbars no, are a whole different thing. No. Sandbars are, are much more painful and a lot harder to kill and a lot more expensive to kill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point, Sean. So, uh, Blair, I know it's, you know, kind of winter time. Is there any other, uh, you know, winter time, uh, late winter weed control options or considerations we ought to take into account this time of year? Well, you know, to me, our three biggest probably calls we get in turf weed control are spur weed, then Dallas grass and crabgrass, but Dallas and crab are summer grasses. Probably the other things, you know, I, if you look at a, at a herbicide jug or, or granular herbicides at a big box store, even the co-op, you know, you would think the world's worst weed was dandelion because that's a picture on every container you'll ever see. Now, we do have dandelion in Arkansas, but it's probably not our biggest concern. Probably our second biggest one either be little bluegrass or henbit. Henbit's the weed. has got a little purple flower on it. We see it this time of year. Um, it's one you see in well-maintained lawns. It'll pop up. So, you know, there are some other winter weeds we can control. Uh, most of the products we use, you know, they're what we call broad spectrum. They're going to kill things other than just spur weeds. So, so we do have some options out there for things to control. Let's talk about products just for a second as far as controlling spur weed and some of these winter annual weeds. What would be a recommendation for a homeowner that has spur weed and want to start controlling it? What would be some considerations and some products they need to think about? Probably the first product I recommend to, you know, your across the board homeowner, whether it's, uh, you know, a retired person, a housewife is Trimac or one of the three-way broadleaf herbicides that have 2,4-D, dicamba, and mecaprop. They're sold by a million different names, but if, if you, especially if you deal with a co-op or a good ag supply store and you tell them you want Trimec, a homeowner can buy it in a quart bottle. It'll be a safe across the board on your uh, different lawns, you know, your St. Augustine, your Zoysia, 
pretty safe around your vegetation, um, your landscape. Since you don't have a garden out, it should be safe around that. And as long as you use the label right and follow what the label says, it, it's kind of kind of hard to screw it up from a herbicide standpoint. So that's usually what I always recommend first. Now, the one disadvantage is, is at the use rate, sometimes it takes two applications to get rid of spur weed. So I will caution you on that. I see. I see. All right. So you mentioned some of the other weeds, you know, crabgrass, Dallas grass, those kinds of things that you get calls on. Um, talk a little bit about controlling those and talk about a little bit about the different types of products. You know, we talk about pre-emerge, post-emerge. We talk about that. We talk about pre-emerge for crabgrass. But what does that really mean in control okay, controlling so weeds? Okay, so pre-emerge means we're going to control the weeds, you know, prior to them emerging. So like spur weed, you know, right now we get people call and say, I want to put out a pre-emerge for spur weed. Well, spur weed has already emerged. So we're in the post-emerge stage if you were going to control spur weed pre-emerge you'd have had to put something out in september um you know right now or at end of february is when we typically put our pre-emerges out for crabgrass it hasn't emerged yet we're going to put a herbicide out to keep crabgrass from coming up post-emerge is after it's emerged you can see the weeds you're putting on a product to kill a standing weed that's a post-emerge product so Pre, and it's hard to get people in the mindset like crabgrass in the middle of July, they want to put out a pre-emerge. Well, you got to put out your pre-emerges in, in February before it ever comes up. And, and that's a hard one for people to understand. Yep. Those are all good considerations. What about, um, you know, one thing we hadn't talked about is a winter burndown application. If you have a Bermuda grass lawn or something like that, is that something we would recommend, uh, you know, for a burn down application? Yes. If a, if a homeowner has a good sprayer and understands calibration, we typically use the glyphosate products for a burn down. And the, the theory behind it is your Bermuda grass is dormant. You know, in the northern half of the state, that's not a problem. This year, you know, with 60 degree days and on Christmas or 70 degree days, I'm sure in Scott County or Grant County, you could find some green patches of Bermuda grass. So, you know, most years it's not a problem. This year it might have been, but we do a dormant application of glyphosate. It'll do an excellent job on just about anything that's green in your yard in the wintertime. And so typically with a Bermuda grass lawn, anything green this time of year is a weed. So we want to basically turn our yard brown this time of year. And, you know, I always joke, I tell people, I say, look, go, go buy a bank you know go pick out a bank in town that has a good lawn care service they've got a bermuda grass lawn there won't be a green thing out there it'll just be a thick stand of bermuda grass and that's you know if, if you want a bermuda grass lawn that should be your goal this time of year so something like glyphosate does an excellent job on on little blue grass a lot of the sedges hand bits spur weed dandelion uh red dead nettle all those what I call winter junk weeds that we want to get rid of. Sure. So, um, you know, you mentioned if you've got a good sprayer and calibration, um, we really haven't talked about equipment and safety and those kinds of things for homeowners spraying wise, but, um, 
we probably need to, to kind of touch on what type of equipment you're going to need if you're planning on, you know, spraying your yard or whatever like that. What type of equipment are we looking at and what would we recommend? Well, I, I prefer the, the tow behind 15 to 25 gallon sprayers usually have two to three nozzles on them and broadcast across five to 10 foot swath area. You know, that's preferable. It, it's, it's easier to apply herbicides with something like that than say a one gallon pump up sprayer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a one gallon pump up sprayer, you can do it. Um, we, the, the, like a bottle of Trimec will have a conversion on there for a pump up sprayer. But obviously, you know, unless you have a tiny lawn, you're, you're going to have problems get doing a good job of, of doing a uniform application and not having skips, things like that makes it a lot tougher than with the bigger sprayers. Usually most of those bigger sprayers will cover a half acre to an acre and like I said, you can just do a good job of, of a uniform application. Okay. Sounds good. Let's talk a little bit about management after you weed control. Um, what are some fertility, mowing height, all those kinds of things that we need to think about after we've got our weeds controlled? Uh, you know, number one is get a soil test. You know, you can't stress enough. It's still free, so there's no reason for someone not to bring it in. Uh, once we have a good soil test, we can, you know, we tell them what they need to do, whether it's a pH issue or a potash, get them straight on that. Uh, you know, with Southern lawns, we need to remind them weed and feeds don't typically work because, you know, you need to be doing weed control now. You don't need to be fertilizing now. You know, we put, typically put out our fertilizers first of April, May, somewhere in there. Weed control now, so... Uh, let's get your weed control going. You always want to, your goals should always be improving your lawn. I go back to that bank lawn. A good thick lawn is your best insurance for weed control. So, you know, just kind of push your lawn. I, I, now I, I, my, my simple fertilizer program is just, you know, do a good mixed fertilizer early April or May. And then maybe one or two applications of, of nitrogen during the summer to push your yard along. I don't like to go crazy. I've got a big yard. I don't like to mow a lot. Uh, so, you know, let's just keep it simple, but, but make sure it's based on a soil test. As far as mowing goes, you know, our, our recommendation is you, you can start with your mower set kind of low. And as the summer moves on, you move your mower blade up. By the end of the summer, into the fall, you want your mower blade up probably two inches, three inches on the yard, and that helps give you winter coverage. So uh, simple things like that uh, can uh, help help you in weed control and, and, once again, make your yard thicker. Yeah, those are all good considerations. You know, you mentioned our website earlier, uh, Blair. We have a lot of great information, some publications that you actually help help ride and put together on our website and that website is www.uaex.uada.edu we even have a web page strictly dedicated to spur weed if you want to go on there and look at that <laughs> website web page it's strictly dedicated to spur weed control so there's a lot of great information on our website and just 
just briefly changing gears here, Blair, just quickly, you know, this is around the homestead podcast and, you know, a lot of these, uh, people that are out there, they have a small farm and they have, you know, a couple small pastures or something like that. And, and we do get weeds in pastures from time, you know, they may have a weedy pasture and they want to start, you know, start with weed control when they're in their small pasture. Um, what are some considerations that we should, should recommend to them if they want to start, you know, controlling weeds in their, their small pastures? Well, you know, I go back to timing. I, to me, the spring or, you know, January, February, March application of a broadleaf herbicide in our pastures and hay meadows is the single most important management thing you'll do. If you don't get the weeds out of your pastures and, you know, we're, we're cattle, they're grazing out there. They're, they're going to affect, you know, your stand and reduce your stands. You, you're always going to have broadleaf weed control problems. The, the, the winter broadleaves are extremely aggressive. If you don't get them under control, it suppresses your summer growth, which is when we typically, you know, you're in Grant County, Sean's in Scott County, I'm in Johnson County. We're not in big fescue areas, so we've got to get our summer forages a good competitive advantage. And the way to do that is get the broadleaves out of the way. So that, that's extremely important. Um, you know, 2,4-D has been around probably for 60 years. It's still an effective economical herbicide. It will not kill your white clover. So, you know, if you, if you haven't been doing a lot of spraying, the, the basic broadleaf weed control is just to get after, get after it with 2,4-D. Really, you know, we're at the middle of, of January right, right now. From now till about the end of February is an ideal time to spray. You know, one of the problems we deal with is rainfall, temperature, and wind. Um, as far as rainfall goes, if there's no rain in the forecast for the day you're spraying, get out and spray for the most part if that herbicide will dry on the leaves of those weeds it'll work so you know i always get people that say well it's supposed to rain tomorrow and i think well spray today don't worry about it the next thing is temperature our recommendation is a 50 degree day but you know if i have a good 40 degree day with no wind or rain in the forecast i'm going to spray if it's cold things don't work as fast but they still work and last but not least, probably the most serious weather issue we face, in my opinion, is the wind. You know, legally, 2,4-D, I think if it's over five miles an hour, you're not supposed to spray. And with the problem with wind is you get a lot of off-target or your, your herbicide's not getting on what you're trying to kill. So that's the one that probably affects me more than anything, and I think it affects our producers. If you start spraying now and you wait for days when it's not windy, you might be done by the end of February, even on those small operations. So that, that to me is the biggest consideration. Yeah. And if you wait till March, you might as well forget it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, you know, that's it. Once you get to March, it's going to take you three months to get done. So I like to start early and, you know, once again, if you miss some spots or, Maybe you have a, a spot where there's a weed that your herbicide didn't control that specific weed. You still have plenty of time to get back in there and treat again. Yeah, those are good considerations. And the thing they th also have to, you know, I want to tell our listeners is, you know, when we talk about 
pat products for pastures, that's different. The products that you would use may be a little different than what you would use in your home lawn, you know, yes. um, and it may take licensing to get some of those products. If you're going to be using products like 24D in your pasture and you're in a commercial agriculture set situation, you'll have to have your private pesticide applicator license. You can get that through our office. There is a fee for that training. You'll have to, you know, apply for your license through the state plant board. Uh, but those are all considerations. Once you move up from the, out of the homeowner, which we consider the general use pesticides into the the restricted use pesticides you do have to have a license to purchase and use those in your in your farming operation yes and and you know we've already touched on it but whether it's it's home lawn weed control or forage weed control you know we deal with people and they say well i sprayed what you said and it didn't work and and i always go back to you know when i'm doing presentations or talking you know, the first thing I always say is, is let's make sure the spur weed you're talking about is the spur weed I'm talking about. You know, it's not sandburrs. So weed ID is crucial. And we have, we have plenty of tools available, whether it's publications or on the website or cell phones. People can send you or email you a picture and make sure we're talking about the right weed. So weed ID Next is timing. Once again, you can't kill spur weed in June and expect to get control. And then last but not least is calibration, mixing. You know, if, they, if those things aren't, aren't done correctly, yeah, we might miss the boat on, on, on our weed control. But proper ID, timing, and calibration, they're, they're really, I'm not going to say very few, but we can control 95% of the weeds out there in lawns and in and, um, pastures, you know, fairly economically with, with, you know, 95 to hundred percent success. If we just follow those basic rules. Yeah. Those are all good things. And your, your local County extension agent, um, can help you with all of those. So I would encourage you if you're thinking about, you know, you have a weed in your lawn or in your pasture, um, and you're thinking about, you don't know exactly what it is. You know, don't spend hours uh, on your computer trying to figure out what it is. Contact your local county extension agent, snap a picture, or email it to them, and they can help you identify that. If they can't help, if they can't identify that, they can contact one of us. They can contact Blair before he retires, of course, uh, <laughs> or somebody else in our organization can help you get that uh, weed identified. And that's, you know, that's the most important thing is you, you can't control a pest if you don't know what it is, you know? Right. And so uh, we can help you with that and get, get that in, in with calibration as well, especially if it's a pasture situa situation and you're going to be, you know, you've got a, spray, a small sprayer uh, on your tractor or even in your, you know, your side-by-side -side or whatever it is. We can help you with that calibration and help you get that under control and make sure you're putting out the amount of product that you need to. Right. And, and you know, uh, the, the thing I would encourage people is, is not – you know, not, not to be afraid of spraying. It's, it's, you know, in this day and age with the information that's available, you know, whether it's a new, you know, you think back to a new hobby you picked up or working on, you know, Sean works on old tractors. There's, there's just a ton of information out there. There's no reason to be scared of it. You know, we can do a good job of helping you put together a good, safe, you know, program that, that, you know, you, if you if you if your goals would have a better lawn, we sure help you do it. Sure.
Sure. Sean, you got anything to add before we get out of here for the day? No, not really. It's uh that all sounds good. It's just uh it reminds me I've got to get to doing some spraying. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. It's that time of year. Boy, it sneaks up on you real quick. And yet you, you have that short window of application. It seems like something always pops up during that time. I know it. That's it. But anyways, well, Blair, we appreciate you joining us for the day. Um, and, uh, we hope that you have success, uh, in your retirement and, uh, we look forward to, to speaking with you after that. But, uh, anyways, appreciate you joining us today. You bet. I enjoyed it. All right. Again, we appreciate you joining us for around the homestead podcast today. Um, Again, our website is www.uaex.edu. I'll get it right in a minute. They recently changed our website, so I'm having to wrap my mind around that. But Old habits die hard. They do. They do. They die hard. So uh, we've got a lot of great resources on there. Reach out to that. Uh, find those. Contact your local county extension agent. They'll be happy to help you. Until next time, we'll see you around the farm. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Around the Homestead podcast. To learn more about today's topic, be sure to visit our website at uaex.uada.edu. Be sure to join us next time on Around the Homestead podcast.